Hey everybody, welcome to the Active Church Podcast. My name is Joe and I'm part of the team here. And I wanna tell you that we believe you can tell a better story. We design content with you in mind and today you're gonna be hearing a great message about how you can take one more step in following Jesus. Every single Sunday, join us at 9 a.m. and 1045 in the room. Let's get into our message of hope today. My name is Mike and I serve as the lead pastor here at Active and what a gift it is to have you with us, especially on a day like today. It is Baptism Sunday, friends, and I'm excited to see the stories that will change today. So what a gift it is to have you come and hang with us today. And don't forget about tonight, 6 p.m., our Christmas kickoff. We're lighting the tree. We have cookies and ornaments and Santa and Mrs. Claus are going to be here. And then we're actually, we're actually going to have snow. And it's real snow in Southern California, just so you know. It's real snow that we made that's going to be over you. So it's going to be an incredible, incredible night. So hopefully you'll be able to come and make it, invite some friends. going to be awesome. Uh, last week, we began a conversation called There is Joy. And this conversation is about the Christmas season. Because Christmas is supposed to be a season of joy. But what we discovered last week was for some of us, it's, it's not a season of joy at all. That doesn't mean that it's not a joyful season. That it wasn't introduced as good news of great joy for all people. The issue for us, for us personally, for many of us, is that it's a season that is supposed to be filled with joy, yet we're not seeing it or feeling it or experiencing it. Because in this season, what was is not what is. In this season, life can get really, really messy and we might feel it a bit more right now. That sometimes Christmas isn't a joyful season for us, even though it is good news of great joy for all people. And so last week we wrestled with this question, where do we find joy in a season that's supposed to be filled with joy during a season in our life where we're struggling to experience joy? And we learned that joy is found within, in our convictions about the God who is for us, that's above us, that is with us, that Jesus is the source of our joy. That his person and his work and his life and his death and his resurrection is what we look to when we're looking to find joy. We also learned last week that joy is not happiness. That, that joy draws its strength from God. But that happiness draws its strength from the circumstances around us. So if they're good, we're good. If they're bad, we're bad. And so we learned last week that joy is found in the person of Jesus. But what we also are going to begin to learn today is that even though joy is found in Jesus, it doesn't mean that everything around us is solved, is fixed, healed and redeemed and reconciled. For a lot of us, it means that in this season of Christmas, we are in a season of waiting. That we're, we're waiting for the, the better story. We're waiting for the healing. We're waiting for things 
to be better, for God to move. And so the tension that we're wrestling with and the question that we're going to answer today is this. How do we live with joy during a season of waiting? We're in the season of not yet. And Christmas is a reminder that for many of us during life, even when it's not Christmas time, that we're in a season of not yet, that we're waiting for things to get better, that we're waiting for God to move, that we're waiting for healing to take place in our relationships or maybe personally deep within us. How do we live with joy during a season of waiting? This was the question that those that came before us were asking just like we were asking, just like we are asking today. The Jewish people, the the people of God, they lived in a season of waiting and their waiting was not just for a few weeks or a few months or even a few years. Their waiting was a few generations. And what were they waiting for? They were waiting for healing and redemption and restoration and reconciliation, all of the things that we long for. And they were convinced and they were convicted that the answers to what they were waiting for would be found in the Messiah, the Savior, the one who we call Jesus. They were waiting for God to send the one that he promised because they knew that God was a God who would fulfill and follow through with every single promise that he has made because they were convinced and they were convicted that God was faithful. And this was what was beautiful about the Jewish people, the first people of God, is that they didn't just want this for themselves personally, but they wanted this for themselves and for those around them nationally. Like they longed for God to move in their lives, but they also longed for God to move in our lives. They didn't want to hoard the hope of Jesus. They didn't want all of the joy found in the Messiah to be just for them. They had lived in in terrible times. Their story has a lot of terrible rulers that were godless men and women that reigned over them. And as you know, when life is a struggle and it can get messy and you're searching for joy and you're longing for hope, you know that there are moments, there are seasons, there are times where you're exhausted you're overwhelmed. And these people of God, they became incredibly weary. And this is the world that Mary and Joseph lived in that first Christmas. They felt what everyone during that time felt. And perhaps they feel what you and I feel in this season. They wanted God to move. And they were waiting for God to move. But here's the good news. God moved. And when he moved, they didn't expect or anticipate what God was about to do in them and through them and around them. What they didn't expect or anticipate was when God moved, God said, let's go. I'm inviting you to move with me. And that, that's what changed everything. There response to God's invitation changed the world, friends. And I want to show you their response, what they did while they were waiting 
And I want to talk to you about why that decision matters for us, not just for them during that time, but for us today. And then at the end of our conversation today, I want to invite you to do what they did. I want to start by telling you a bit about Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is well known in our world, well known in our culture. You don't have to be a church person. You don't even have to be a Christian to know about Mary, the mother of Jesus. But in the first century, she was a nobody from nowhere. It'd be like being from Blythe, right? Like you're just, where is that? Have you ever tried to explain where you live to people that have never been to Southern California before? You're like, I'm from Yucaipa or Banning or Beaumont or Redlands. And they're like, where? And you don't even allow them to ask the question where. You say, I'm from Yucaipa. It's about 45 minutes from Palm Springs and about an hour and a half, depending on traffic, from, from Los Angeles, right? Because you know that they don't know where it is that you live. You know this. We're all just coming to that realization. We like to believe that Yucaipa and the surrounding areas is a destination spot, but here's the announcement that I needed to give you today. It's not, right? Like, I mean, we really love our roundabouts around here, don't we? But not anybody else. And maybe we're, if we're honest, we don't like them either. She's a, she's a nobody from nowhere. She lived in a time where people didn't know who she was. She was from Nazareth in a place called Galilee. But here's the beautiful part about how God moves in the lives of those he loves, those he created, and those he uses to tell better stories. Mary's story, it may have felt as if she was a nobody from nowhere, but God knew all about her. And we know this because one particular writer tells us the story of Mary without Mary even being born in that time. His name is Isaiah. He was a prophet. And he writes about Mary. He doesn't mention her by name, but you can tell he's talking about this Mary that will come in the words that he says in Isaiah seven fourteen. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel. God with us, Mary, Mary would bring the Messiah into the world. The savior that they had been waiting for, God with us and for us would happen because Mary would bring that baby through the power of God into the world. And she was engaged to a man named Joseph and Joseph was also from Nazareth in Galilee. He was, a, he was a carpenter. He built things and did things with his hands for a living. I'm incredibly jealous of Joseph because that is not my gifting at all. Some of you were here this last summer when I shared the story about putting up a ceiling fan and it took me five hours to do that. And some of you are like, it should take five minutes. And I respond with this, shut up, stop judging me, all right? <laughs> But the ceiling fan is up, it's still up, and it's still working, and that's because God is real, friends, that's why. <laughs> Joseph was a carpenter, he built things with his hands, and his family actually 
even though he felt like a nobody from nowhere, his family goes way back in the story that God is telling through the scriptures. It goes way back to the days of King David. And Isaiah, just a couple chapters after he writes about the virgin, he mentions Joseph, not by name, but tells Joseph's story in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. He says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. And here's where he mentions the family of Joseph. He says, And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. He will come from the line of of David, and he will establish and uphold justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Mary and Joseph were, were in a season of waiting, and they knew the promises of God. They were convicted and convinced that God would come through, and as they were waiting for God to come through, they just kept reminding themselves that when God moves, healing will come. When God moves, redemption will come. When God moves, restoration will come. And then in the middle of all of this waiting, all of this wondering, all of this watching, we're told by Matthew and we're told by Luke, who one spent time with Jesus, the other investigated Jesus. Both had their lives changed by Jesus. We're told that Mary's story and Joseph's story dramatically change because of one moment. Matthew records it this way about the story of Joseph. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. Matthew writes, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Joseph is engaged to this woman, and in that culture, it's very different than in our culture. Engagement literally meant that you were married. All that you were waiting for was the ceremony where God would bless and honor the union because they believed, as we do today, that when the two become one, they become one flesh and that God, when he's over it, it changes every story. And so they were just waiting for that ceremony. Joseph was working to build a place for Mary at his home where his family would be. And then he would go and he would get her and bring her home and it would be this celebratory moment and he discovers that she is pregnant and because Joseph paid attention in biology class he knew that he was not the father he didn't need Maury Povich to tell him that he didn't need a talk show Joseph was like, you're pregnant. I don't know if it was a text message. I don't know if it was a face. I don't know what it was. But Joseph found out and realized, like, I am not the dad because he chose to honor God and honor his future wife by not being intimate before their marriage ceremony, before their wedding night. And so he knew that this could get really Messy, And we're told by Matthew in verse 19, because Joseph was her husband, he was faithful to the law, yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. And he had it in mind to divorce her quietly. I'm going to end this, but I'm not going to end this in a way that embarrasses her. You see the honor and integrity of this man, because what he assumed was that she violated the trust and the integrity and the character 
of their relationship. He was mad. He was sad. He was heartbroken. And yet you can see the deep love he had for God and the deep love that he had for Mary. And so he was figuring out a way that he could end this thing in a way that would not dishonor her or the Lord, that would not put her in a position where she would be in trouble with anybody. He was gonna do it quietly. And then as many of us, many of us need, before he makes a really big decision, he pauses. In this instance, Matthew tells us that he like takes a nap. Sometimes when we're making decisions, we probably just need to pause and maybe even get some rest before we actually make that decision. And so here, Joseph takes a nap, Matthew tells us, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Not only was this the answer that he was looking for, but this was the answer that everyone was waiting for. Everyone was wondering, everyone was watching. They knew this day would come and Joseph hears from God through an angel that everything that you've been waiting for is coming, it's here, it's now. But what Joseph didn't expect or anticipate is God said, Joseph, I'm here to move. And guess how this move is going to start? It's going to start with you. It's not me. It's we. Joseph, are you ready? Wake up, son. It's time to go. And I wonder if Joseph is very similar to us. I have to assume that he is. I wonder if he thought to himself, me? Carpenter? God, do you know what town I'm from? Do you know what city I live in? Do you, do you know my story? I'm not even a footnote in this story. And now you're inviting me to be a main character? May this moment with Joseph just be a reminder to, to you and to me that you have no idea what God might do in this world through you. You have no idea what God might do in this world through you. You, you might believe that you are too shy or too much or too old or too sinful or too cynical or too, too introverted or too extroverted. And God looks at you and says, you're too perfect. I've got you, created you, designed you for this moment. Meanwhile, as Joseph is having this interaction with an angel, we're told in Luke's letter that Mary has a very similar interaction. In Luke chapter one, verse 30, we read that the angel appears to Mary and says, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And I wonder if Mary thought to herself, me? A, a nobody? 
do you know what city I'm from? You want me to have a baby? I know how this works and I haven't done the thing that you're supposed to do to make this work. God, do you know what you're doing here? Yet we are reminded that this, this Mary, a nobody from nowhere, God does a good work in here in her because God takes nobodies and turns them into somebodies. You might feel like a nobody. You might feel like you've messed it up. You might feel like there is no possibility for any sort of better story for you. May you be reminded that God does not see you that way at all. By the way, could we, could we pause for just a moment? Could we talk about this angel interaction? See, what happens when we talk through these stories is that those of us that have been a part of the church for a while or maybe have heard these stories throughout the years, it's easy for us to go, oh, an angel showed up and spoke to Joseph in a dream. And oh, an angel showed up and told Mary that she's pregnant with the son of God. And we're like, cool. And then we just move on. But then what's great about being here with you is that we have a wide variety of people. And there may be some that are in the room and watching online that are going, wait, an angel showed up? Like, what happened? Matthew tells us that it was a dream, that Joseph had a, had a dream and God spoke to him through the voice of an angel. Luke tells us that an actual angel showed up to see Mary. Now, you might ask the question, like an, like an angel, like, like a precious moments angel? Was it naked? Did it, sh- like what... Was it floating in clouds? Did it have a harp? Like, you know, like maybe those are your questions. My question is really like, was it Mike Trout or was it Shohei Otani? Like, like, because those are the angels that I'm aware of, right? And if those are the angels that show up, then I'm going to sleep right now. God, speak to me, right? Like, I would love to meet them. But I think we can get really caught up in this story on how instead of the what. The the truth is, is that for all of us, we live very distracted lives, don't we? So, So what would it take for God to get your attention? We are so busy. We are moving so quickly. What would it take for God to get your attention. This is what Matthew and this is what Luke are pointing out to us. That Mary and Joseph were planning a wedding and some of you know exactly what that's like and you know that there is no such thing as downtime, right? So God has this, has this most attention-grabbing plan but he needed to do everything he, he can because he wanted to get Joseph's attention and Mary's attention in the most attention-getting way. And they paid attention to what God was saying because we read in Matthew's letter that when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife. And then we read in Luke's letter that Mary responds to the angel in one of the most famous scriptures, one of the most eloquent responses to God. She says, in light of what she's heard, in light of what she's been told, 
She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Friends, this is, this is different. This is remarkable. This is unusual. And here's why. For many of us, we are waiting for God to move. We are watching and wondering if God will actually come through. And this is our posture during a season of waiting. God, is it today? Is it today that you're actually gonna do something? Is it today that you'll actually heal this? Is it today that you'll actually redeem this? Is it today that my better story starts? Is it now, God, when will you actually move in my life? I'm watching and I'm wondering and I'm waiting. But Mary and Joseph do something very different in this moment. Instead of watching and wondering and waiting, they decide to do something. God comes and invites them into the move that he is about to start through the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior. And instead of saying to them, here's what I'm going to do, he says to them, here's what we are going to do. The invitation of God in this season, in this moment of waiting for Mary and Joseph was that they would choose to give their lives away. The invitation of God to Mary and Joseph in this moment is that they would choose to serve others while they're waiting. They would choose to be servants of God and servants of the people of God in this season of waiting because they wanted what God wanted. They wanted all of the healing and all of the redemption and all of the reconciliation. And instead of just waiting for it to happen, they said, what's the best move that we can do here, God? And God said, join me and serve others with your life. And that, my friends, is remarkable. They wanted this better story. And what they began to realize was that God was inviting them into the better story, to help write and tell the better story. A move of God, friends, will happen when you decide to move with God. And I think for many of us, we are waiting for God to move. But Mary and Joseph discovered, well, if we gave our lives to God, if we gave our lives to others, if we gave our lives away, if we decided to serve and live as servants, maybe perhaps that would allow us to join in what God is doing. Instead of God moving around us, God would move through us, with us. And that's what they discovered in that time. And that's what you and I will discover when we decide to move with God and serve others with our lives. We are invited to participate in the work of God by giving our lives to serve others. And if we just wanna be real honest in this place today, we often choose not to do that because the, in the core of who we are, we don't see ourselves the way that God sees us. We don't see our potential. We don't see God's power within us. We don't understand what God is up to, uh, up, up to us in us. We don't see ourselves the way that God sees us, but God always sees you exactly as he created you. God always sees you 
exactly loved as you are, exactly filled with purpose as you are. God always sees you the way that he designed you and made you. He sees you as his sons and daughters, his kids. And he sees you and fills you with great and significant purpose. So so what if we decided to move with God and to serve others with our lives while we're, while we're waiting. Friends, what if the move of God that you've been waiting for is found in your decision to serve others? God, how come you haven't moved? God, how come you haven't done what you do? God, how come you haven't gone in this direction? God, how come you haven't healed, restored, renewed, and redeemed? And what if God is saying, I'm ready when you are. I'm ready when you are. What if, what if we decided to move alongside God? What if we decided to serve others with our lives while we're waiting? Peter, who spent three years with Jesus, who was one of the closest friends of Jesus, wrote two letters in the scriptures. One of, one of them is called First Peter. And he writes these words about you and me and all people that choose to follow Jesus. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Like what Peter is saying here, and he would know because he knew Jesus physically, had a friendship with him, followed him like you and I follow him, has, has, has a, acknowledged in his heart that Jesus is Lord like many of you have. And he recognizes that God has selected you and selected me and selected him for such a moment as this. That God has chosen you for this situation. That God, God wants you to be the one who leads the way, joining him in the redemption and the reconciliation of all things. Friends, our waiting on God might really be God waiting on us. Our waiting on God might really be us choosing to not go when God said go or choosing to give our lives away when God said, this is what I created you for. Our waiting on God might really be God waiting on us. And maybe it's because you've eliminated yourself from the move of God. It's gonna be somebody else who's bigger and badder and stronger and more of a leader and more influential. It's gonna be the person with the microphone or the guitar. And may we be reminded that God chose Mary and Joseph Nobody's from nowhere. Maybe you've eliminated yourself because of your past or because of your lack of knowledge, haven't read the Bible cover to cover. Listen, if that was a requirement to lead a movement of God, then the first followers of Jesus would be eliminated because they didn't have the Bible that we have today. It's not about how much you've actually read. It's about how much You've got in your heart and you're going to live out. And that's why the invitation to Mary and Joseph and the invitation to you and to me is to give our lives away, to serve others with our lives in amongst all of the messiness. Friends, God chose you not in spite of your cracks, but because of them. Every one of those scars tells a story. Every one of those cracks has hope. And this is how God has uniquely used you. We're reminded by Peter that we are chosen vessels. 
We are set aside. And, and this is something that I think all of us need to hear. No one, no one else can do what you can do for the kingdom of God. So in light of Mary and Joseph's story, may we consider this question, how do we live with joy while we're waiting? How do we live with joy in the waiting? Start serving. Give your life away to those around you. Could, could I just be really honest with you? Dads, you're the dad they got. There's no other dad coming. So why don't you serve your spouse or your significant other or your girlfriend or your family or your kid? Why don't you serve them with your life? Moms, you're the mom they got. There's no other mom coming. Even though you'd like a maid to come over and be the mom maybe for a couple of days, right? Stop thinking that you're a bad mom because you had a bad moment or a bad season or a bad day. You're the mom that got, they need you. So start serving. Husbands. Husbands, you're, you're the husband they got. And with God's grace, there isn't gonna be another husband that comes along the way, it's you. Wives, you're the wives they got, you're the wife they got. You're the one they chose. God puts you together. And maybe the healing and the redemption and the restoration that is needed in your relationship, in your marriage comes when you both decide to serve one another with your lives. You're the boss they got. Could you be a better boss perhaps? And maybe it starts when you decide to serve them with your life. You're the employee that they got. You're the child that they got. You're the friend that they got. You're the leader that they got. You're the influencer that they got. They don't need anybody else. They need you. And so why do we wait for other people to come in and do what only God has wired us to do? God has wired you for the season that you're in. You can do it. And the thing that you need to do when you start doing what it is that God created you to do is to start by serving those within your relational circle with your life. Give your life away. This is what the story of Mary and Joseph reminds us, that you are chosen and designed and created and unleashed by God. Enjoy. Joy is found in your willingness to serve others while you're waiting. Joy is found in your desires to give your life away, starting with Jesus and then to those that Jesus loves, which is everybody. This is how we live with joy while we're waiting. Maybe we could be like Mary who said, I am the Lord's servant. And may your word to me be fulfilled. Friends, may the things you hope to see redeemed happen because you decided to serve others. And may you start by giving your life away to the one who gave his life for you. 
And so what I wanna do in this next moment is I wanna give you a space and an opportunity to trust in that Messiah, in that Jesus who came to earth because God had a plan for redemption and reconciliation. And it took a while in our eyes for that plan to start. But we're here because two people decided to join the movement of God instead of asking God to move around them. Joseph became the father. Mary became the mother because they decided to give their lives away. Thanks for listening today to the Active Church Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message of hope. Stay connected with everything happening around Active on our social media platforms, on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you want to know more information about Active Church, check out our website. We hope to see you soon, 9 a.m., 1045, every single Sunday.